How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. Hey, 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 how's it going, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, I'm going to be interviewing my favorite person in the world, my wife, Maddie Fryer. Now, we get, a lot of, uh, we get a lot of messages and questions from our audience and from our clients around um, how we keep uh, our marriage and how we know that we're going to have a successful marriage for many years to come and never worry about getting divorced. So today, we're going to be digging into the five tools that we use that, you know, for us, you know, makes us feel like we're virtually guaranteed to never have to worry about a divorce. We're going to have a long, happy marriage, die in each other's arms, squeeze, squeezing each other's butts by the time we're 103 or whatever it might be. Um, so we're going to go through the five tools that we wish everybody had in their marriage, why uh, we're so confident that we're never going to have to get, uh, never worry about a divorce or anything like that. Um, this includes a couple of things that are really simple to implement that you should probably be implementing with your partner, husband, or wife. Uh, and then a couple of things that are a little bit more difficult to implement because uh, they just are. There's a little bit more difficult. That's why most people don't do them. But if you do them, I can virtually guarantee that you will never worry about uh, separating from your partner and you guys will be together for a long, long time. So I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. And for all of our Shit You Don't Learn in College fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to sidlickbook.com and grab your copy of the new number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, available now. How's it going, everybody? Uh, welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer. And... This is my lovely wife, Maddie. Hi, babe. Hi. So we've we we did one episode uh, a while ago, and we had a lot of people uh, tell us how much they enjoyed it, and we've had a lot of people tell us how much they how they want to hear more about our relationship and how uh, we do our relationship and why you know people people see us and they're like, oh, you're so happy, you're so you're you're, you're growing, you're having such a good time and doing what you're doing. So we thought it would be a good idea for us to put together uh, uh, our five tools to help uh, build a successful marriage. Woohoo! And we've been we've been married for you know a a whopping couple of years now. <laughs> so I consider us the experts in this space. Now we might be young in our marriage, but I think uh, you tell me if I'm wrong. But I think we're pretty damn good at what we do. We're pretty damn good at what we do. We're, we're very damn good at what we do. <laughs> we're we're yeah. pretty damn good at what we do, and uh, you know I think in a world in a world where you know it's something like fifty two percent of marriages end in divorce, like we never have any fears of our marriage ever ending in a yeah. divorce or or anything like that. And I think it's because of the tools that we have and the the foundation that this relationship has built, been built upon. Yeah. Um, 
But I, I want to get your your thoughts on that. Why why are you so confident in our marriage? And then we can start to dig into the five tools. Because we have the systems in place. Um, yeah, I think literally because of everything that we're probably going to be chatting about today. Yeah. Um, I know for me, uh, it was always really backwards to me that, you know, we, we'll study for years if we want to build a career or, yeah. you know, whatever. But yet when it comes to a, generally a relationship and having kids, we just are like expected that we know how to do this stuff, which yeah. is two of the most important things in our life. <coughs> so if you're lucky, you got a good example from your parents. Yeah. And if not, then it's like you generally you're repeating the same patterns and the yeah. same like bad habitual processes. So for me, it just never really made sense. So I'm just really grateful because I know we've both done a lot of a lot of research and a lot of work into, you know, how can we make sure that that from the very beginning and we did this from like literally the moment that we met, how can we make yeah. sure that we have these tools and we have these systems to make sure that things aren't, you know, getting built up or we're communicating yeah. properly or, you know, we're, we're moving very much in the same way. Well, I think part of it too is we didn't really have an option. Like when we met, we were dating 9,000 miles apart. I mean, it, so, so we had to figure out very quickly how yeah. to, how to make stuff work for the long term. Yeah. I mean, there's still people though that, <coughs> that I don't think it was the, the distance. There's still people that are distant, but yeah. have shitty relationships. Yeah. But, um, if I'm just being completely honest, but I think it was, you know, um, I guess I saw my parents go through a divorce and, um, you know, I'm really grateful for them because it was, they, they didn't involve us in a way that, that was super detrimental to us. Like yeah. I'd seen it, a lot of people had, they, they did that in the, the best way possible. But, um, I remember seeing that and just feeling like it was such a shame because two people who clearly loved each other so much to build a life together, um, really just drifted apart and I was like what can I do to make sure because I just feel yeah. like it's such a high statistic what can I do to make sure that 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 doesn't happen to me and we don't get to a point where we're just like so far apart that we realize we've fallen out of love like 20 years ago and now it's just yeah. like you know what I'm like I'm, I'm so done it's like how can we get to a point where we're just like constantly working on these things and and things don't build up but I think I think you know the sad truth is you know in Maybe in the past, you know, like people stayed in bad marriages just because it was socially unacceptable to get a divorce. Yes. Now it's socially acceptable to get a divorce. So people are realizing like we've had shitty marriages and shitty relationships from the beginning. And it's simply because just like you mentioned, we didn't have the foundational tools like in, in success yeah. in any area. There's fundamentals. And like Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. Right? It's not it's not rocket science if you know what you're doing mm -hmm. on how to be successful in a relationship or in a marriage. It's just this is this is the shit that you don't learn in college. This is yeah. the stuff that nobody ever taught us. Yeah, I think one of the things, um, this isn't one of our tools, but it was really important that we both did before we met. And I think I didn't put this on the list because there's people already in relationships that this that kind of doesn't really apply to. But, um, well, I guess it still does. One of the things that we were really clear on was getting clear on our values, getting clear on yeah. what it is that we really, really wanted in a partner. And it's and it's unfortunate. I was literally just chatting with a friend about that this this week. Um because her sister's going through a really rough time and with her partner and and she's like, you know, we were talking about another friend of hers that's going through a rough time and like literally it kind of, it was three out of four of the people that we talked about were having really rough times yeah. in their relationship and in their marriage. And, uh, and, and they're only, you know, a year or two in and some of them aren't married yet, but they think that buying a house together will fix the problem. And I think so many people are kind yeah. of looking externally and to fix the and, problem yeah and they're like well we're at a particular age so i guess like we may as well get married or we may as well get engaged and and yeah that definitely creates like 
you know, magic in your relationship, but that's very temporary. It's like, not going to, it's not going to fill the it's hole. It's not going to fill have. that void. And so for us, one of the things that we were both really intentional about was getting clear on our values, what we wanted in a partner, who we wanted to be in a partner. Like we, you know, we've yeah. been over this before, but we both had really comprehensive lists of what we wanted and we weren't willing to settle for less than that. And I think we both had really high standards. So, of, so maybe this is, maybe this is tool number zero, Yeah. right? Like if you're not in a relationship or even if you are, I think it's really important to get clear on the qualities that you want in a partner. Mm -hmm. And you, you said something there that I don't want to go overlooked. It's the qualities you want in a partner and also the qualities that you need to be in a partnership. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people will be like, oh, I want to, I want a husband or, you know, I want a husband that's confident and honest and, but they're not confident or mm -hmm. honest, right? So how are you going to yeah. attract that person that's confident and honest if you're not working on your own confidence and honesty? Yeah. Right? One of the things I always tell people is raise your standards. Like raise yeah. your standards for what you think is possible because so many people have shitty relationships nowadays and you just think it's the norm, but people mm -hmm. fight and they argue and, you know, whatever. And your husband leaves for a night because he's frustrated. And it's like, that is not, I mean, it may be common, but that should not be, should not be the norm. Should not be the norm. And that should not be the way that um, you're treated in relationships. So I yeah. think, I think the other thing that I would say to people is raise your standards. But going back to that is you then have to raise the standards within yourself, For your yourself. own self-worth, your <coughs> own, you know, how you feel and what you feel that you deserve. Cause you're only going to attract a level of someone with wherever you're at on a conscious level. Yeah. So if you're feeling like a piece of shit, you're going to attract someone that's a piece of shit. Um, I don't know if I'd say that in a nice way. Um, this, is, this is why I love my wife. Very blunt. If you're attracting um, a piece of shit, it's because you're a piece of shit. Take a look in the take a look in the mirror. <laughs> well, you're feeling like a piece of shit. <coughs> but um, but that, but you know, it's, you get what I mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're lost me now. Yes. Um, but yes, like if you're attracting people that um, you know, aren't honoring their word or that aren't speaking the truth or whatever. It's probably because you're doing the yeah. same thing or you're on that same level. And so, you know, you really have to do that, that work. And even if you're in a relationship right now, you know, it's not too late to start. And that person, I feel like will either come on that journey with you or they won't. And you will outgrow that person. And that's okay too, because either way you're going to be better off in the end. But yeah. I think it really, you know, we the first thing that I would say is like, you both have to be willing and committed to doing that. So that's, that's step number zero, get clear on your values, get clear on your standards and also hold yourself to those, yeah, same raise standards. those standards, raise those standards and hold yourself to them. So once, once you've actually found a partner and you're expecting to spend the rest of your life with this person, um, you know, the first tool that we have on the list is, uh, it's incredibly powerful and it's one of my favorites. I'm going to, for a second before that, yeah. another zero is you both, I would say you both have to be committed to, to growth together and committed yeah. to, because none of this is going to matter if like one of the person's really willing to put in the effort and the other person isn't. It's like you both have to be committed to growth together. Well, I think that's important because as we, as we grow and develop as, as humans, we are going to change. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not open to changing together and, and adjusting, mm -hmm. you're never going to stay. You yeah. You're just going to outgrow each other. You know, yeah. our, we, our lifespans, when the idea of marriage was first invented, you know, we used to live like 35 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so staying with one person, you know, from the age of 20 to 35. Yeah. Not that difficult compared to like what you well, see. I feel like it is you, now. Yeah. So well, like compared, now compared. people are getting divorced after like six yeah. months of marriage. A little, little but, bit. Yeah, a little bit more difficult. Yes. But, but you know, compared to, you know, tw 25 or, or 30 or 35 or 40 when you first get married for, you know, potentially till yeah. you're 70, 80, 90, mm. 
Like it's, it's a much longer period of time now. And, and we go through these different transitions in life where, you know, things that are important to us become unimportant to us. Mm-hmm. Things that were, were really meaningful to us become not as meaningful to us. And being mm-hmm. able to adjust and change together is going to yeah. be so incredibly important for people. Sorry, I, I interrupted you. That's step fine. number one. That's right. Step number one. <laughs> Anyways, so those are, the, those are the two step zeros before we even get to step number one. So uh, the first tool that we, we use that I think is so incredibly powerful is our relationship review. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me, like, you were the one that came up with this idea. Yeah. And so I'd love to understand, first of all, what it is and, and why it's so effective and so powerful. Yeah, well, I guess the philosophy behind it is people always say, like, love can't be measured, right? Um, and we were like, stuff that. Um, because <laughs> We're going to measure it. Yeah, because everything, you know, nothing, it's really hard to, to quantify love and to quantify your growth in that area. It's, it's easy, obviously, to quantify, like, finances and money and, like, you put a dollar value on it. But when it comes to your relationship, how do you know where you're at? How do you know if you're improving? How do you know, you know, all that? And yeah. we basically, one of the things that made sense to me was, was checking in every single month on like where we were at because you're going to have times when you go through things that maybe your relationship isn't where you want it to be and then you're going to have times when it's great but how do you know that in the moment if you're not asking each other these questions so yeah we we kind of decided as i said why don't we just rate our relationship like on a scale of one to ten yeah. um and so we developed a list of of questions that every single month without fail we go through this relationship review and it has been so helpful like there's months where i'm like you know what it is not like, this is not where I want it to be. And yeah. then there's been months where, we, you know, we're like, this is amazing. And there's been months where I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling great. And Sam is like, I'm not. And I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. you know, we may not have been on the same page there. So like that has been um, eye-opening. And for me, it's been, instead of waiting years down the track to realize that you had something you could have fixed after, mm-hmm. you know, a week, um, and, and that's where like my whole It opens goal a conversation to- and, it, and it sheds light. And so there's no dark corners. There's no... Yeah, well, no, nothing unknown nothing to either party. Nothing swept under the rug. I think that was my goal. Was I never yeah. wanted anything to escalate to the point where it felt so big and heavy. Do you do you have those questions? Can you read I those do, questions yeah. to everybody? Let me grab them. Okay, so um, the first one I've got Aspen's hair on my phone. Um, <laughs> the first one is on a scale of one to ten. So this is just a general one. How would you rate our relationship overall? And so then what we do with each of these questions, we rate it on a scale of one to 10. So like I would go first and then I go through all of these and then Xander goes second or vice versa. And then he goes through all of them. So like he will ask me and I will ask him and it's all on a scale of one to 10. And if it's any less than a 10, then we basically ask each other, what would make that a 10? And you can adjust these questions. Like we've adjusted these as our relationship has grown and evolved and and shifted. So you adjust them to whatever you feel that your needs and priorities are in a relationship. Um, But this is what we currently have right now. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate our relationship overall? Um, And then what would make it a 10 if it's not a 10? How would you rate the level at which I'm currently fulfilling your love languages? So if you haven't read the book, The Five Love Languages, that's not a step that we've listed, but highly recommend it. Um, The level at which you feel loved. Uh, our physical intimacy, the level at which you feel I support you, our level of quality time together. And then we just have a general, like, what are your most important needs and priorities right now? And how can I best support you in those? And then any other feedback for me? So that's basically it. Yeah. But very it's pretty, valuable. It, it's pretty straightforward. We've been doing it every single month for, yeah. you know, the four years that we've known each other, that we've been in a relationship. And it's kept us on track for a lot of it's the been things. Huge. It's been it's been absolutely paramount. So I, I think that's the you know that's the first tool that I wanted to share because it is it's something that I don't know 
hardly anybody that does that and it might be one of the most crucial tools that we have and i would encourage you like personalize it make it your own if there's something that's really important to you or your partner like add that question in it's not these aren't set in stone these are just kind of what we picked based on what was important to us um but yeah make sure make sure you you use that and we've done it every month and it's been so valuable so so the next tool Mm. um that i love because you again this is something that you brought to the relationship Um, at some point I'll feel like I bring something to the relationship. Don't worry. Um, but we call it five times the gratitude. Brittany has squishy lips. Thanks babe. I want them. Um, your kids will have them. Don't worry. Yes. Um, (laughs) so uh, we call it five times gratitude. So tell me about, tell me about the importance of gratitude in a relationship. So, I mean, I've, both of us have always been very, um, into the practice of gratitude and we, and it's something that we consciously practice in every, every area of our life. But I remember, gosh, I don't remember which book actually I'm lying to you. I remember reading a book, but I don't remember which one it was either. I think it was either the magic or it may have actually been in, um, the five love languages. I can't remember which book, but I was reading a book and it said basically, um, you know, you're five times more likely to remember a negative event than you are a positive one. And yet most of us are like, no, why didn't you take out the, the bins or why can, why didn't you do the dishes or I asked yeah. you to do this and you didn't do it or whatever. And we're, we're always we're, pointing out the things that our partner does wrong, does wrong or isn't doing, or you asked them to do it and they didn't do it well enough, whatever versus being grateful for the things that they are doing and noticing that the things that they are doing. And so there was something, there was a statistic and I have no idea what it was. So I'm just like <laughs> pulling this out of my butt, but it was something like you're 50% more likely if you're not not being grateful for your partner every single day to for your marriage to end in a divorce because all you're doing is you're you're nitpicking on everything yeah and so um we just made an agreement we were like we have to be five times more grateful than we are positive and there's definitely been times when i haven't and i've fallen into um you know blaming or complaining or it takes takes conscious effort for us to do this this is not this is not something that comes easy to us like we'll forget we'll trip up and we'll have bad days we'll have bad weeks and we'll be like holy crap like I'm being ungrateful and I'm yeah. not, I'm not being as appreciative. But as I think that goes back to, this is kind of like another little side note of a, of a thing is like we hold, we hold each other to those standards. Like we have these tools and if I'm slipping up on them and you're slipping up on them, like we'll call each other out. <laughs> like yeah. The other day you were like, you know what? I feel like it's actually been more negative than you have grateful. I'm like, shit. Like I totally, it, it was like a good Which is very happened. ungrateful of me, but it's, it's pointing out something that yeah. we need to fix. Yeah. Yeah. I needed to, needed to shift that. And then ever since it's like, okay, I got to get back to my love notes. I got to get back to the gratitude. And yeah. you know, instead of complaining that they didn't take the bin out on time, like be grateful when they take the bins out or whatever. Yeah, it's, this is, by the way, this is really entertaining to me because literally just before recording this podcast episode, <laughs> we got in a fight about who's going to take the trash out or AKA the bins as my wife calls them. We legitimately like got in a, in a tussle. She was trying to take the bins out and I was trying to fight her to not let her take the bins out so that I could take the bins out. And it's, it's not because like she nags me to take the bins out. It's because when I take the bins out, she expresses how grateful she is to have a husband that takes the bins out without asking. I was like, I'm just going to take them out. I'm like, no, you get back here. Literally like, had to chase her, chase her down across our home to, to go help with the, with the He's trash like, you put those down. I'm like, I'm just going to take them out. It was pretty funny. But I, you know, it's, and it's because you yeah. like, when I take the trash out, when I do these things, when I, when I help unstack the dishwasher or, uh, you know, anything like that, like you express your gratitude to me. I, yeah. I always joke with Maddie that, you know, we have a, we have an Aussie shepherd Aspen. Yeah. I, I just joke with her that I'm an Aussie shepherd, right? Like if I do something and you give me a treat afterwards, I'm gonna go do that thing more. 
Like, I'm going to go do it more often and I'm going to do it without you telling me because it makes me feel good because you gave me a treat a few times. (laughs) Right. So I am literally just a, a dog. Um, but it's the, it's the truth. Like yeah. if the more you're men grateful, are simple. men are very simple, <laughs> which we'll get to in a second here. Yeah. Men are incredibly simple. Um, so like, because you're grateful for a lot of the things that I do, I end up just wanting to do them more and it mm-hmm. just validates my, um, you know, me as a husband doing the things that I want to do as a good husband. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that can feel really difficult for people if, you know, you're at a point in your relationship where maybe there's a lot of friction, maybe it's not, not where you want it to be, but the first step is, is acknowledging and being grateful because, um, you know, nothing can shift until you start to appreciate one another because no one feels like they want to do something for someone if all the person is doing is complaining and and pointing out what they didn't do. Like it just only makes the person feel worse. Yeah. So five times, five times the amount of gratitude as any criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, so number minimum, like that's like, that's, min- a, minimum. that's a dead minimum. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So the next tool, it, it's not so much a tool. It's more of kind of like an understanding. And I think both of you, both you and I had this understanding prior to getting into our relationship. I learned it from, uh, David Data's book, the way of the superior man. I think you mm-hmm. did as well. Yeah. Um, and it's this idea of the, the differences between the masculine and feminine energy. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me about that and why that's important to understand in any relationship. Gosh, this is like a whole episode in and of itself. Um, we'll do, we'll do an overview and we'll probably have to do an yeah, entire this episode. Is, this is huge. Um, this. I read a book actually that I, that I do recommend that was my first, um, exposure to it. It was a really easy to book to read. It was called the queen's code. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember who it was from, but the queen's code, uh, someone Armstrong. There we go. Uh, I believe you. Someone Armstrong. Google it, guys. Um, yeah, we can we can link to it. We'll put yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, but really great book, and it and it basically just explained, especially nowadays. So the masculine and the feminine energy doesn't necessarily mean men and women, um, but predominantly men have more masculine energy, and predominantly women have more feminine energy. But recently, especially nowadays, most women tend to be actually a little bit more in their masculine energy because we're you know we're in the workplace, we're getting things done, and we're in the very much more like go 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 mode. Um, which is great because that helps us get a lot of things done. It helps us achieve our goals. It helps us with being an entrepreneur, running a business, whatever you might want to do. But the problem is the masculine and the feminine energies, it is a polarity. And so if you think of magnets, um, you know, the opposite ends attract. So if you have two masculine energies, you're very much bumping heads. And, um, generally you'll find that if you're a woman that's very strong and masculine, generally you'll actually attract more of that feminine energy, which a lot of women are like, I just, I feel like I'm just attracting these guys that, you know, can't do anything and they won't provide and blah, blah, blah. And it's because you're so in your masculine that you're not actually allowing them the space to step up for you, to provide, to do what they really want to do. Which to is be their, the masculine their innate, in the relationship. Their innate energy. And again, this is, this is, um, for same sex relationships, it's the same thing. There'll be one person that's more predominantly masculine, one person that's more predominantly feminine. But, um, this was huge for me because I definitely used to be the person where I wouldn't let, <coughs> I wouldn't let anyone, you know, pay for my meal. I was like, no, I got it. Like, yep. I'm going to pay for it. Um, I, you know, it was, it was very much the, like, I'm going to do this. My literally from when I was young and my, I had a saying, it was just by self. So everything was by myself. I wouldn't accept for help. And, um, I remember reading this book and then I read the way of the superior man by David data. And I know there's men are from Mars, women are from Venus, um, by John Gray. And, I really just started to realize how I'd been pushing away so many amazing men because, and it was actually selfish of me because like, you know, what you mentioned is like you get so much satisfaction out of 
being in that masculine energy and being able to take the best the, out the masculine the masculine energy wants to take care of the feminine the masculine, energy they want to protect they, they want, want to, to support and serve yeah. that energy and when a when a feminine energy does not allow that the masculine energy feels mm -hmm. inferior they mm -hmm. feel like they're not doing their job they're, they yeah. lose purpose they lose mission mm. and then like we definitely need to do a whole episode because <laughs> there's so many different areas of it there's the area in you know allowing that the the masculine energy to feel um you know like he's the provider so that the feminine we can sit back we can receive we can be more in that yeah. which helps us energetically it helps us hormonally like when i'm too in my masculine i have all different cycle issues like my menstrual cycle goes off i i am too stressed like all sorts of different um physical issues i think another another big one <coughs> you know and, and it was really helpful as a as a guy as i started to understand this you know, it's like the, the difference between like, you know, guys as guys in the masculine energy, we want to solve problems. Mm -hmm. Like there, if, if your wife presents a problem to you, you want to solve it. But as a feminine energy, sometimes you just need to express mm -hmm. and you just need to be heard. And me as a guy, sometimes you, like you would say something well, this is when it comes to communication, when it, for sure. When it comes yeah. to communication, it's like, she would express something that she just needed to get off her chest. Mm -hmm. And I would take it as, Oh, I need to fix and solve this thing. <laughs> yeah. And I would go try and solve this thing. She's like, no, no, no. You just need to listen. And I'm yeah. like, I don't understand. Yeah, that doesn't, like, what do you that, mean? I don't, I don't comprehend. And just learning the difference between yeah. like, as a masculine energy, like, I want to be very left brain, logical, pragmatic, solve the problem. And then yeah. as a feminine, feminine energy, you just needed to express and be feminine heard. Feminine is very expressive and we, yeah, we just want to be heard and supported. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was huge for me to just understand like, oh, I can solve the problem by not solving the problem. Yeah. yeah. And I just need to sit here and be here with mm -hmm. you. And that's all. And part of it from, <coughs> from the different side. And I think, um, you don't do this as much, I think, because you have so much experience, but for most men, um, excuse me, hiccup, theirs is the opposite where they, um, they go, well, you do a little bit, but they go a little bit more internal. It's like yeah. that whole man cave thing, right? Is men need to go a little bit more internal so that they can figure out, you know, if there's something that's and going on, they, got, so they think through it, they fix, like they figure out the problem and then they're, they're at a point where they can kind of come back out. But if we're standing there at the door, like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on? And the dude's like, God, like, <coughs> I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to understand being able to give them that space to, to think through, to, to do whatever they need to do while they need to understand how we process through. So we literally speak two different languages as men and women. And yeah. I think being able to understand like how to best support one another and how to, how to literally speak each other's language has been absolutely, yeah. absolutely key. So we'll, we'll probably need to do an entire we'll episode, an episode on episode. that one. Yeah. Um, but I want to take that to tool number four. So tool number four is date night, which we oh, have, we have not, we have not missed night. a date night in four years, even yeah. when we were dating long distance. So tell hard, me about date It's night. hard for us just to have one, actually. We don't yeah. have two. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we, even when we're dating long distance, uh, we always made a commitment to, to do date night every single week. And so, you know, we'd be, even when I was in Australia and, and you were over here in the US, I'd be on Zoom at like 10 a.m. having a glass of wine and Xander would be eating Damn Aussies getting drunk in the morning. Um, yeah, but but we would, you know, every week we'd make sure that we had date night. And that's just so important for us because, and, and frankly, for everyone, and I think everyone makes excuses of, as to why they can't do date night. And, yeah. you know, even we've spoken about this as we start thinking about having kids, like that's never going away. And yeah. we, we want to have a family date night with our kids and things as well, like separate to just you and I. Because yep. um, it's so important. We don't even, you know, we don't even do double date nights as that doesn't count as our date night. Like date night is 
Xander and I only. I don't care if my family's here. I don't care if it's like whatever it is. Like yeah, somebody could be staying with us, and we're like, catch you later. You're on your own. Catch you later. We've mm -hmm. got date night. We've got tonight. date night. So, um, you know, that's just so important for us to have that one-on-one -on -one time, to have that that you know connection time, to have time away from because we work together in the business. You know, date night for us is a time where there's no business talk. You know, we just get we get to talk about our wins from the week. Like it's such a important connection time for us and yeah. and we both as our love languages part of our love languages is both quality, quality time, time together and so um that is something that you know our phones are off our phones are on airplane mode like day night we take very seriously yep. um like literally if if we want to take up if there's for whatever reason like xana what we you know wants to quickly message someone about something you will have to ask me like i'll ask like, i'll literally i'll literally like you know something will come up and i'll be like oh i really you know i really want to express some gratitude to this person or um, you know, one of our friends recently just lost his dog. So, yeah. you know, I, I asked, you know, like, Hey, can I, can I message Jay to, to, you know, tell him, you know, I'm sorry yeah. to hear about his dog. And so like, I, but I'll ask Maddie so that she knows I'm not just over here, like texting like crazy yeah. and get permission to break the rule of date night and turn my phone back on. Yeah. Like bit. we're, we're dead <coughs> about it. it. And, and I think for us, it's, there's never been a, it's just non-negotiable. And for us, it's every Friday night, but let's say we have a wedding or something we plan that ahead of time and maybe we'll shift it to the Sunday night or we'll shift it to the Thursday. So, yep. you know, we, um, sometimes it, it moves nights, but mo like 99% of the time we try and keep it the same night. Cause I, I know that some people try and move it around, but we find it easiest to have the same night every single week committed to that. What, what do you say? What do you say to people? Cause obviously we don't have kids yet, but yeah. I think for us, because we've developed this habit, it's going to be so easy for us to keep it with kids. It's yeah. not an issue, but what, what about if, if, if there's a couple out there that, has kids and they haven't developed this and I mean and it's all it's all about priorities and it's yeah. all about making it a priority and just making that it's a, literally a decision and, mm -hmm. and you know I know so many people that have kids that do date night that do date week. night every like, single so week it's, yeah. it's you know it's yeah I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be easy and, and you know you may have to get a babysitter or whatever um but if you're for, for me it's like if you and I aren't, aren't connected and we aren't feeling like we aren't pouring into our relationship then how are we We're supposed to really show up for our, our kids. kids? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be that representation of our kids of what an amazing marriage looks like. Yeah. I, I want to have that for our kids. So I think that's, I think that's really important to think about right there. Right. Cause a lot of people will be like, Oh, but I got to take care of the kids and I got to do this and I got to do that. And it's like, well, if you did this one thing every week and mm -hmm. that could prevent you from ending in a divorce, wouldn't that be better for your kids mm -hmm. than being there during that date night? Yeah. It probably would. Yeah. 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 So I think we've, um, and we've already spoken about it. We already have, you know, plans. We obviously don't have kids yet, but we've already spoken about yeah. that. And that's not something that's going away. Yeah. So that's number four is date night, which again is also one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, the last thing is the last tool that we have is probably one of the most powerful and also one of the most difficult, uh, to, you, what it was. to well, I'm going to tell you in just a second. Um, so it's, it's something that we call nothing good comes from closing. Oh yeah, this one's this, so hard. <laughs> and this this has to do with how we communicate. So tell You're me. You're so much better about this one. So Sorry. I created yes. this one. I, I but well, I I did create it actually. I Tool number one. six. I got never it. keep track. Never keep count of who's winning. But Maddie's been winning most of these, and to win this one, <laughs> it's great for me. Never keep score except for now. Never keep score except um, for right now when I win. Yeah, well, I won the other ones. But that's well, fine. That's okay. Um. Where were we? Yeah, so I got this from Melissa Ambrosini. Um, she has a really great book called Open Wide that's all in relationships. And um, one of her philosophies is nothing good comes from closing. 
And um, that was my hat. Like, actually, it's still, it's I'm still working through it for sure. Um, my was my habitual pattern was, you know, anytime anything would come up, I didn't want to cause an argument. I'm not someone that, you know, we don't we never yell at each other unless we're joking about not taking the bins out. But other I did that, yell like, at her earlier when she was trying to like, take hey, the bins hey, out. Hey, hey, quit that shit! <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the bins out. Um, but we never actually yell at each other. Like, and so I'm someone that, you know originally conflict would always really shut me down but then what would happen was I, I would try and like sweep things under the rug and I'd try and forget about it and just you know hope that it blew over but then I would find that you know next time something triggered me it would come straight back up and so it was like every time you know maybe it was great for a few days and then something else would happen that would press that same button and it would just come right back up and so uh, this really resonated with me and I wanted to make sure that we brought that into this relationship. And then Zan is the one that ends up always holding me accountable for it because I still do it. Um, but basically it's, you know, whenever we are, it's like basically a similar thing to like never go to sleep angry. You know, so anytime that, that something comes up for us and we are talking through yeah. it, sometimes I'm like, look, okay, I just like, I'm done. Like I can't keep talking about this, but, or I don't, um, I'll like shut off a little bit and say, I can't like, I don't I don't know. There's no point talking about it. And that's just me. We've all, we've all been, yeah, we've all been in those relationships when like, you know, when something comes up and if it's an uncomfortable conversation, instead of having the uncomfortable mm-hmm. conversation, we just rather not have the just conversation. Not, it's, don't worry about it. Or it's like, not a big deal. Wh- whatever. Or it's fine. And, and what ends up happening there is it ends up building up. It ends up building mm-hmm. resentment and building, building separation between uh, between the two partners because it's it's stuff that's unsaid it's stuff yeah. that's unsettled and and we end up closing off and keeping part of it yeah. away and rather than building this this uh clean open communication line it starts yeah. to drift apart yeah um kim Aname explains it like she she explains it like imagine that you have like this wall of glass almost in between you and your partner and every time that you leave something unsaid um, sweep it under the rug it just places this like splatter on the glass and it eventually mm. builds up so much that you can't even that see you the can't other even person see through the, the glass side. anymore you can't even see through it and it's like every time that you open up you're you know you're cleaning that glass essentially and so it's like you have to keep that really clear that that line That's amazing. of communication i, I so, love that because it's like you literally have to clear clean and clear this glass on a regular regular constantly. basis I mean, things are always going to build up. Things are always going to get triggered, you know, but you have to be willing to to talk through them. And I think the biggest thing about this is holding each other accountable because say I start shutting down, like you'll be like, hey, and we made this agreement. Um, you'll be like, hey, remember nothing good comes from closing. And I'm like, shit. So and it sucks. It, it sucks, sucks when time. you're closing and the other person calls it out and you're like, damn it, you're so fucking right. And so then you have to, you, like, we've made an agreement that we have to open back up because we know <coughs> that if we close in that moment, it's not going to be beneficial. So the biggest thing about this is, like, calling each other out on it and we hold each other accountable. I think calling it. each other out but being willing as that as that other side to realize, like, hey, I'm the one that's closing and, and to realize that nothing good comes from closing. No matter how uncomfortable the conversation might be that follows, you have to have it. You have to clear, yeah. you have to clean that glass whatever's on it and look you know that may mean that if you're in a position where you um having that conversation in that moment isn't going to be beneficial then maybe it's simply like a look i'm actually feeling really emotionally heightened right now like can we come back to this in 30 minutes take a time out for 30 minutes let the emotions settle back and come back in a little bit of time but that doesn't it does not get swept under the rug there's no way that that gets um just dismissed and so I think that's that's the biggest thing. Um, it's the hardest one, but that's definitely one of the biggest ones. Yeah, and I think I personally I think this 
in my opinion, is is probably one of the biggest culprits for divorce is mm-hmm. people keeping keeping their their needs, their desires, their thoughts, their feelings out of the relationship. They're muddying the glass, whatever you want to call it, because eventually, if you do that long enough, you you build and build further apart, or the the glass gets so opaque and covered in crap yeah. that you can't see in each other anymore and you can't connect anymore. Yeah, and that's what eventually leads to divorce. I but think- if you can always see each other and you can always understand each other. Yeah. You'll always be amicable and you'll always be able to figure things out. And I think this is tool number, what are we on to now? Like seven or whatever. <coughs> Another add-on to this is uh, you both have to be willing to to look at yourselves as well because I think yeah. some people don't feel safe enough. You know, if they're maybe, um, I know maybe their partner yells and kind of gets abusive when things get heated or maybe, um, you know, maybe their partner blames them instead of taking responsibility. Like we are also very aware of our communication. We're very aware of not not projecting it's never a you versus me you did this you did that it's mm-hmm. always you know us two on the same side of the table looking at the problem seeing you know what went wrong how we can fix it taking responsibility for certain things that we may have done like it's a it's a um constructive conversation versus a conversation and this is maybe we do a whole nother talk on this but um versus like a you did this you did that yeah. you did this you suck at this you're this you're that it's it's never like a point in the finger we've always had this you know, understanding that we are both on the same side and the problem is on the other side and we are figuring out how to fix it together. Even if, you know, we feel upset or we feel hurt or we feel triggered, it's never a a blaming situation. It's always a very safe conversation. You have to feel safe to express. I think that's, that's so crucial, right? Like even if it is something maybe that I did, it's not... It, you know, or something that I'm trying to fix in me, it's not you versus me. It's you and me trying to figure out how I can fix that mm-hmm. so that we can be better in the relationship mm-hmm. together. But that comes with being willing to take responsibility. Yeah. It comes with, you know, not, um, you know, getting upset at the other person. For, it comes with that, this level of uh, personal development and commitment yeah. that you have to be willing to have and a level of safety that, you know, I, I'm able to express or you're able to express without me then just blowing up at you. you know, you're yeah. able to express how you're feeling. So I think that's definitely, that's another ball game. But, but <laughs> so, yes. so hopefully, you know, this was, this was the five plus three tools, uh, to, to have a successful marriage. Hopefully, you know, just by going through this, you guys can get a, a good understanding of why we feel so confident that, you know, even though we're, you know, only two years into our marriage, we're, you know, we're confident we're going to have a very long, happy marriage. Um, and we're going to die in each other's arms, squeezing each other's butts at yeah. the age of, you know, 103 or something like that. Right. Um, but hopefully this was helpful. We just wanted to share some of these basic tips and tools, mm-hmm. uh, to at least get you guys started. We're going to be doing some more interviews, uh, and conversations around our relationship. Uh, so obviously if you guys have any questions, uh, around our relationship or tools that we use, uh, please reach out, uh, send us a note, comment on the podcast, let us know what you're looking for. Do you have any thoughts that you want to leave everybody with before we let everyone go? No, I think that was all I was going to say was if there's anything in particular that you're like, hey, can you dig more into this or, that, or whatever, um, we'll probably just, I would. Say, I don't know where they can reach out. You may want to be more specific about that. But yeah, reach out on Instagram. Let there us you go, know. Instagram. Um, we may put up one of those little sticker thingy doodles um, yeah. so you can comment because I just want to make sure we're covering things that are valuable. But yeah. Perfect. Beautiful friends. Hopefully that was helpful. We'll see you in the next episode. All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. 
Thanks a ton.